Becca and I had the pleasure to meet AJ Swoboda at Roma Cafe in Eugene. Both of us had read some of his books and heard him speak on podcasts and in other places. It was hard not to feel like we were meeting somebody well-known, a celebrity. Actually, it turned out Dr. Swoboda is very relatable, humble, and an extremely gifted leader. If you missed it, and even if you didn't, you don't want to miss this talk from Dr. Swoboda, recorded on June 27th of the Northwest Christian Convention. How about we do this together? Well, welcome again to the Northwest Christian Convention. Um, Becca and I had the, um, the amazing honor to, um, to guide, direct, and, and set a vision for what this time together would look like. And, and part of that includes releasing the children to their time. That's we right, right, to do yes, that. yes. <laughs> yes, we're also guiding that piece, but me poorly, her well. So, yeah, yeah, good point. Um, it, uh, it has been a great joy. One of the, one of the things that has been a, a problem, and I say that, so humorously because one of, one of the things that we had to contend with this week was not having enough nursery staff, which tells you what? Too many kids. We had too many kids, right? It's a good That's problem to have. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and as parents, Becca and I brought two of those kids with us and, and we're so blessed being able to be here and be present uh, and know that our kids were loved and cared for. But that's not really what we wanted to get into. Um, not completely. Although the raising up of the next generation is clearly and obviously the mark um, of discipleship, of loving one another. And so uh, I want to start us off. Becca and I are going to team preach, which just so you know, this is our first time Never doing that. Never done it before. And that, yeah, yeah. And that's not to say we're not going to be awesome. We're going to be awesome. I just want you to know that we are learning on the job. We are, we are Holy Spirit working together right now. So um, when Becca and I were asked um, to lead convention this year, we, um, well, I'll be honest, I was not so sure about taking that on. For, for a great many reasons, unlike Becca, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a, a person who has spent a lot of my life here at convention. I've been here five or six times, uh, sort of in the, the passage of our marriage. We've, we've been here together. Uh, we've been married for four years, and, and there was some time before that that I attended because friends of mine were leading and guiding. But the reality is I'm not a lifelong, um, I'm not a lifelong conventioner, and, and all that to say, that guiding it made me hesitant, and Becca, not so much. Oh no, for me, it was an immediate yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so we, you know, we, we developed this, and I have to say, uh, give much, much credit, because Becca really built so much of the infrastructure, so much of the, the solid foundation of what we are doing. And so I want to give her all the credit for that. But what I want to do is start us off with the theme verse that Becca and I chose, because we've been working in ministry together um, for over four years. And for me, it's, it's the ministry that I've done has been about nine. And before um, Becca and I were married, Becca was working in ministry for, you know, over a decade or more in different ways at churches that she served. And so we have some experience, right? So I want to read this passage 
And I want to talk a little bit about it as we introduce and we get diving in. So this is Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, going through verse 11. And for those of you who, um, who are not New Revised Standard Version folks, that's what this is. So if it sounds odd, um, it's because um, I didn't come from the convention, so I'm a bit pagan. <laughs> but I also love Jesus, and I love this version, uh, mostly because I believe we're fishing for people, right? And that's not to say that when we say men, we don't mean mankind, but I mean I'm fishing for, you know, the minnows, I'm fishing for the, the salmon, I'm fishing for everything in the pond. And so I just want to throw that out there. That's why I like this version. So all that to be said, this is chapter 5, verse 1 of Luke's gospel. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night and we have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything, everything, and followed him. Now, Chad and I, when we prayed about uh, the theme for this year, initially we thought we were just going to be talking about unity. That's kind of what was on our heart. That's what we're doing here. That's the mission of the network is unity. But as time marched on and we prayed and we sought the Lord for his vision for this year, this passage came to our hearts and our minds. And I got to tell you, there's a lot to unpack from this small passage. You can... I, I would say we, we contacted every leader who spoke this week and we kind of cast our vision for it. And amongst that was this, they left everything. Like, like here the Lord had done a miracle, a mighty work. They had caught nothing all night and now they've got so much that they can't even handle it. And, and all we know is they leave it. They leave the abundance for the unknown. I, I can't imagine that kind of trust and faith. There's so many things you can unpack from 
this passage. And, and in my heart, I felt like we, here the church has gone through two years of hard. It feels like being Peter and the disciple, Peter and, and, and James, James and, and John, John and, and Andrew. Andrew, there Andrew. we go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it feels like being those brothers on the boat doing church all night long. Like we've been doing church all night long. And some days, man, it just feels like we're fishing and it's empty. We drag the nets and it's empty. We drag the nets and it's empty. We drag the nets and it's empty. And I wondered if maybe in this post-pandemic season, in this um, post-racial injustice season, in this post-political unrest season and all the things that you can add to that bag, I wondered if maybe God was saying, cast your nets on the other side. You've been doing church all night long and you're doing good. You're doing your job good. But I want you to cast it on the other side now. So we cast that vision to our leaders, the, the great many that came and I was just astounded that they all had different things to say about it instead of what I had in mind. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to give, for those of you who are from Turner Christian Church and weren't here all, all week long, um, we're going to just run through a few quotes that, um, that came up this week that stood out to us. And those that were here probably grabbed other things, gleaned other things from speakers. But we just want to give you just a snapshot of, of what happened. Yeah. Um, and, and the problem, too which I'll say just briefly, is, is that some of those people took our cool ideas and ran with them, which made it a little more difficult for us uh, when we came here in being led by the Holy Spirit to give you a word this morning. And so one of the quotes from last night, this was from uh, Dr. A.J. Swoboda, professor at Bushnell University. And he said this last night, which caught my attention. He said, in the Old Testament, if you saw God's face, you would die. In the New Testament, they saw God's face and Jesus died. God died, right? Jesus died as the representation of God on earth. In the new heaven, we will all see God's face and no one dies ever. Amen. Uh, the first few evenings, Steve and Patty Buss were here and one of, the, one of their quotes that stood out to me was the kingdom of God and the unity of the body moves forward at the speed of trust. Dr. Chap Clark shared this. Christianity would have a greater impact if we'd all come clean that Jesus pulled us out of the water. Hmm. Wow. Chap Clark also quoted Brennan Manning uh, and said, I have been seized by the power of a great affection. Our worship leader, Scott, Scott Riggin, said from, um, from up here, he said a lot of great things, but this line stuck with me. It says, rest and Sabbath are commands of God, and that is a radical trust mm. in God. Pastor Eric Green, who uh, was on the panel with Troy yesterday, said, the Bible was not given to us so that we can work out our problems, but the, so that we can work out our salvation." Also on that panel, Pastor Stephen Anderson, a younger man uh, serving here in the Salem area, he said, this next season needs to be a season of spiritual maturity and depth. 
And Pastor Delisa Mishintibi said, we should no longer be the church as usual, but church unusual. And President Joe Womack, in a, in a really, um, really impactful panel between he and Derek Voorhees from Boise, said, truth is not a concept. It is not my truth or your truth. Truth is found in one person alone, and his name is Jesus. Dr. D.H. Shearer led our morning Bible study each day, and he said a lot of really wonderful and rich things. And one thing that he said is the gospel of Christ is good news. And if it is good news, then we should start acting like it. And that struck home with me because it was really hard because Chad and I had been going through the season. We actually went uh, on a pastor's retreat with 60 other pastors and leaders from the Lane County area. And in the introduction session of that, they asked each pastor to go around the room and share one word about their season. And I got to tell you, every single pastor went around the room, and I swear they were all rainbows and butterflies. Everything was joyful. Everything was good. And Chad and I are sitting there going, lament? Like, like our season has been full of lament. We've been watching the church struggle. We've been watching the church suffer. We've been watching the church lack at loving one another. And our hearts are breaking for them. Our hearts are breaking for us, for that light and salt that we're supposed to be. And when Dr. Shearer said, if the gospel is good news, we should act like it, I started to process a little deeper that, that lament that we've been feeling. And, and so as, as we, we prayed and we processed, I came up with just this little um, roadmap of where God was leading me. Lament is lonely. It's biblical, it's holy, and it's lonely. God can do a lot with lament, but the number one thing that God does with lament is he leads our heart to repentance. And repentance is vulnerable. <laughs> Repentance is life-changing. Repentance is a command of Jesus and the scriptures, but repentance is hard. (laughs) And repentance is essential to lead us to restoration. As a part of the restoration movement, we need to understand that. Restoration is healing. It's a healing balm that covers us, that covers all the cracks, all all the, the, the ugly things about us, like this beautiful new floor, (laughs) <laughs> it, it's healing, but it's also a process and it's uncomfortable. Sometimes in the restoration process, things have to get ripped out. But restoration leads us to trust. And trust was the unexpected theme of this week. Almost every speaker from this stage touched on the necessity of trust. Trust equals faith. It took trust for Peter to step out of that boat onto water. It took trust for Peter to cast that net on the other side. It took trust for Thomas, which A.J. Swoboda talked about last night. It took trust for Thomas to believe in the Lord. Trust is hard and it takes time and it takes practice. It is not our first nature. Uh, Chap Clark mentioned this when he talked about Peter walking on the water, which, by the way, was what I was going to talk about this morning, but Chap preached it better than me, so we're not going there. Um, uh, It's not our first nature. Our first nature is fear. Our first nature is, is doubt. But God calls us to trust. Trust is essential in our relationship with God. And trust leads us to obedience, which D.H. Shearer called gospeling. 
Because in, in another quote from D.H., from his wonderful morning, um, the gospel in Luke is a noun, is not a noun, as it is in Matthew and Mark. In Luke, it's a verb. It's an action word. Jesus goes good newsing. Jesus calls us to go gospeling. So, as Becca and I try our utmost to bring this, to bring this convention to, to the fruitful end that we pray for, here's the thing. For those of you here at Turner Church who, um, uh, who I feel deeply connected to because I've become um, really, really good friends with your, your pastors, with Casey and Matt. They are phenomenal people. And we, we just like, we're hunting for reasons to drive up here and spend time with them because that's <laughs> just awesome. Plus our kids like playing with each other. There's a lot of hand-holding and being sweet and, you know, the occasional stealing of toys. That happens. But the reality of it is that even, even if you didn't attend any of those amazing sessions, and small plug, if you want to see some of those sessions, my prayer and hope is that you'll be able to start engaging that material, all those great uh, talks, all that um, amazing wisdom and knowledge from all these people compiled on our website, the, the Northwest Christian Network website. And on top of that, we'll be, we'll be releasing some conversations we had privately with each of our speakers. And I'm so looking forward to the engagement you all can have with that throughout the year. But I'm not here to plug the network. What I really want to talk about is what it means, what we meant, what, what all the folks that have been here thinking about what convention is, what the convention ground should be, what our lives together as churches united for the purpose of gospeling. What we want to really hit home is that we've always been a network. And think of it this way. Don't think of it as like, you know, something that you have in corporate life, right? We're networked together to achieve the bottom line. None of that. It's not a network in that sense. The reality is, think nets. So our theme passage, the, the thing that we really wanted to push home was that Jesus wasn't teaching fishermen how to fish. Fishermen know how to fish. Jesus wasn't attempting to, to harm them through his... Um, through his request, Jesus was using the miraculous movement of God, of, of God's push in the world to spread the gospel, the good news of him. He was using that to inform them and to give them a solid way of thinking. So AJ last night, actually, no, it was Scott Riggin was talking last night. He was doing the communion thought and he brought up an orange and he cut it up and he started talking about a memory walking through an orange orchard with his family when he was a kid and how the smell of those oranges that are so ripe that you just touch them and they fall off the tree, that smell reminds him of a vivid, vivid memory. And that what Jesus did in communion, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is that he gave us an actual physical smell, touch, taste reality so that whenever we gather together and we eat bread and we drink the cup, we remember. Mm -hmm. And all that to say that the nets, the pulling in of the fish, that's intended to get the disciples thinking about fishing 
and get them to thinking about nets in a way that I think we just often don't. The reality is what Jesus is secretly doing, or maybe not so secretly for those of us who could have read it a ton, is he's actually weaving a net at that very moment. He's grabbing these four young men and then eight more, and he's weaving them together. And then he starts to add more strands, right? He starts adding these other people. In Luke, particularly, there's these four women he talks about. There's all these other guys. If you get into Acts, there's a bunch of guys that were there the whole time that become disciples, right? All these things are being woven together. They're being tied. They're being pulled. They're being taught. They're being strengthened through the experience of Jesus Christ, through walking with him, through seeing miracles, through experiencing the love of Jesus as he looks at the broken and the hurt and those that are put out of the the synagogue, those who cannot fit in because they are dirty, they are unclean, they are unwanted, they have chosen lives of sinfulness. And these people, 70, 100, however many of them they are, are being tied, woven, pulled, stranded, fixed, mended, picked up, pushed out so that the catch of fish could be exponential growth of the gospel going outward, the gospeling of the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, his death on the cross for us, his resurrection and his sitting at the right hand of God to mediate and develop and build a new kingdom because the reality is when we get to that new kingdom, when we sit in the presence of God together and we see his face, there was this great quote um, that when we sit in that space, when we walk into that kingdom, when we finally see it, the first thing that will be said will be, oh, that's, that's what it meant, right? Like, I get it, right? Finally, I understand it because we know in part, right? And we see in part, but eventually we will, we will know fully even as we are fully known. And Jesus came to show us that knowing, to build into us that love, that grace, that peace. It's good news. It's good news. And this, the convention, the network, right? We've, we've been bound together by love, or as Chap Clark would put it, we are siblings. Our pastors are not our dads, folks. They're not. They're your brother. Because we are not dads. Who's the dad? God. God is dad. That's right. We're not dad. None of us. It doesn't matter if you're a 90-year-old person sitting in this convention who's been here for 70 years or more. You're not the father. Your brother to us, right? Which means that all of us, right down to my one and a half year old daughter, or, you know, as she comes into her faith, as she is baptized and she begins the process of really engaging with Jesus, all of us are adopted together into the family of God. As it says in John, he gave us the power to be the children of God through tabernacling with us right? Jesus was the tabernacle here on earth. And even though we built this building and this is called the tabernacle, the reality, folks, where is the tabernacle actually? We, we Christians, we who have accepted the Holy Spirit into our lives through repentance, 
through, um, through baptism, through the communing with the saints, through the gathering and the loving and the working together, we contain God within us as the tabernacle did, as the temple did. We exist on this earth as the carriers of God into the world. And sometimes, folks, we do a really lousy job. We do such a bad job. And unfortunately, you look out and what do you see? You see powerful, capable, influential churches that won't accept their brokenness. They won't admit to their brokenness because if they do, it might damage the witness. It might damage all the baptisms. It might damage all the good messages. It might damage all the care and love and community. But here's the, here's the, the truth, folks. We repent individually, you and I, we, we go to God and we say, God, I, I messed up. I, I did this thing wrong. I wanna lay it at your feet. I wanna commit to doing better. We enact our baptism every time, right? We bury all that nonsense and we rise again and we attempt every day to live out our baptism in a way that says, yes, God, I want to live with you, for you, serve you forever. But the reality is that we allow ourselves to believe that if we don't do that corporately, right? If Christianity doesn't say, yeah, you know what? We might be wrong about this. We very well might have said and done some things that were not only theologically wrong, but harmed you, anybody out there in the world who is not following Jesus. We may have harmed you and we may have harmed the witness of Jesus Christ by our very actions and our very, our very lack of love. Chap said that when the woman came and she, she was seen by all the synagogue leaders as a sinner, right? And I'm sure we kind of get the sense of what that means. And she stops at Jesus' feet and she weeps on him. She wipes his feet with, with her hair to wipe away those tears, to clean his feet. She pours perfume on him and she kisses his feet repeatedly. She knows who she is. She's repenting. She's letting it loose. She gets it. And Jesus sees her. The synagogue leaders do not, but Jesus sees her and he looks. And the reality is that we are all that woman because Jesus sees us even when we're doing the horrible, awful things. And we know that in our minds, right? I mean, we all kind of agree to that. Oh yeah, 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 Jesus sees what I'm doing. But I feel like it's, it's a known thing, but it's not a lived thing. We know Jesus sees us and yet... Somehow when we get in a big group and we think we're doing good work and we think we're spreading the gospel and we think what we're saying is correct, theologically correct, biblically correct, um, in the way that we're expressing Jesus out in the world, when we are doing it wrong, folks, if we do not admit it as a church, as a group, corporately, that the thing we've done was broken, we fail at gospeling. And we have to really engage that. Because here's the thing, the gospel is good news and we don't want to mix that good news with evil. Let's just not. When we see evil, we say evil, we admit to it, we repent of it, and we do everything that requires to fix it because that's what loving one another and loving God is. We stop, we say, man, that was, 
that was bad. We did something awful. We harmed people in our attempt to do what was right in God's eyes and we failed to love our neighbor and to love God. And when we do that, oh man, oh man. If you wonder why folks are leaving churches in droves, they're not leaving Jesus, folks. They're leaving a kingdom that doesn't reflect Jesus at all at times. They're not second-guessing Jesus. They're second-guessing people who are unwilling to live as he called us to live, to be repentant all the time, Mm -hmm. to be gospel-focused and centered. Because there's lots of things in the Bible that we would call biblical. Slavery is biblical, folks. It is. It's in there. It, It exists in the Bible, if that's your definition of biblical. And plenty of people argued that it was just and good because the Bible talked about it. Folks, we got to be better at reading our Bibles. And I don't mean about slavery. I think we kind of come to that reality, but there's plenty of things the Bible says that we kind of set aside because we would rather do the easy, simple thing, but the loving Jesus thing is hard. It's carrying crosses. It's dying to ourselves and rising with Christ. And I don't just want to make this kind of a, a sad moment, but I do want us to think deeply, deeply, deeply about what it means to step out onto the water, to look at Jesus and see just Jesus, right? We don't see the wind. We don't see the troughs of the waves. We don't hear it echoing in our ears. We walk out onto the water and we look at Jesus and we say, you know what? I could swim back to the boat. I could swim back to the 11 guys who are not doing what I'm doing. I could, I could go back. That's safe. I'm a fisherman. I've lived my entire life on the water. I'm, I'm good with boats. Boats are great. Live my life on a boat. But out in front of me is the Savior of the world who offers grace and peace and love. And I want to trust that. But more importantly, we, we want to trust that. For our Savior beckons us onto the water, and Lord only knows what's happening in it, on it, around it, because it's chaos. But Jesus is going to catch us, folks. So if we have to admit that there are things we've said and done as communities of faith that don't love our neighbors, man, we need to stop and say, yeah, that's... I've, uh, I haven't coined this phrase, I don't think, but I've been thinking a lot about it. There's a difference between right and righteous. Does anybody have a sense of that? I can be correct. I can know the right answer, but that doesn't necessarily make me righteous, right? To be righteous is to live my life as though I believe the good news to be good news. Loving and caring for people, hearing them, seeing them, like Jesus saw the woman. That's righteous. But if my rightness has gotten in the way of my righteousness, I need to repent of it and and fast. It's fine to be right. But if it, it if it doesn't say the good news, if it doesn't pull in the woman weeping and wiping and kissing, then man, it's just not good news. 
Let's, let's go good newsing, folks. We do this. We gather together on a Sunday or in the convention. We do the gathering so that we might go a gospeling together. Let's take some good news out into the world. Let's reflect it. Let's be salt and light. Let's love. Because that's the command Jesus gave us. That is the command Jesus gave us. You want to close this out, Becca? I do. I want to close this out with um, a quote from uh, David Platt's book, Radical. God beckons the storm clouds, and they come. He tells the wind to blow and the rain to fall, and they obey immediately. He speaks to the mountains, you go here, and he says to the seas, you stop here, and they do it. Everything in all creation responds in obedience to the creator until we get to you and me. We have the audacity to look God in the face and say no. And I would argue that sometimes our no is ignorance. Sometimes our no is fear. Sometimes our no is doubt or misunderstanding or the unknown or pride. God is calling us to go into all the world, to step out of that boat, to trust him. I'm asking you today, church, faithful followers of Jesus Christ, do not go home and be the same as you were, but go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, you are faithful. You are good. Lord, you know our messiness. You know our pain. You know our hurt. You know our failures. You know our doubts. And you are good with them all because you are bigger than them all. Jesus, you said in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And so, Lord, amen. We know you are with us always to the very end of the age. And Lord, we ask you to go with us now as we go forth from this place, as we step out of the boat in faith. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. This episode was produced by Austin Schumacher. Theme written and performed by Scott Riggin. How about we do this together as a podcast of the Northwest Christian Network, a network of Christians and churches gathering together to serve the kingdom and cast their net across the Northwest. Find out more about our ministries and events at www.nwchristiannetwork.com. I'm Chris Dunning. Thanks for listening.